Section 20 of Folklore and Legends Oriental. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Farno Jahangiri. Folklore and Legends Oriental by Charles John Tibbets. Section 20. The Seven Stages of Rustam. Persia was at peace and prosperous, but its king Kekawus could never remain at rest. A favorite singer gave him one day an animated account of the beauties of the neighboring kingdom of Mazandaran, its ever-blooming roses, its melodious nightingales, its verdant plains, its mountains shaded with lofty trees and adorned to their summits with flowers which perfumed the air, its clear murmuring rivulets, and above all its lovely damsels and valiant warriors. All these were described to the sovereign in such glowing colors that he quite lost his reason, and declared he should never be happy till his power extended over a country so favored by nature. It was in vain that his wisest ministers and most attached nobles dissuaded him from so hazardous an enterprise as that of invading a region which had besides other defenders a number of thieves or demons who acting under their renowned chief diva safid or the white demon had hitherto defeated all enemies kekawus would not listen to his nobles who in despair sent for old zal the father of rostam and prince of sistan zal came and used all his efforts but in vain the monarch was involved in clouds of pride and closed the discussion he had with Zal by exclaiming, The creator of the world is my friend, the chief of the thieves is my prey. This impious boasting satisfied Zal he could do no good, and he even refused to become regent of Persia in the absence of Kekavus, but promised to aid with his counsel. The king departed to anticipate it conquest but the prince of mazandaran summoned his forces and above all the diva safid and his band they came at his call a great battle ensued in which the persians were completely defeated kekabuz was made prisoner and confined in a strong fortress under the guard of a hundred thieves commanded by arjeng who was instructed to ask the persian monarch every morning how he liked the roses nightingales flowers trees verdant meadows shady mountains clear streams beautiful damsels and valiant warriors of mazandaran the news of this disaster soon spread over persia and notwithstanding the disgust of old zal at the headstrong folly of his monarch he was deeply afflicted at the tale of his misfortune and disgrace he sent for rostam to whom he said go my son and with thy single arm and thy good horse Rekhsh, release our sovereign rostam instantly obeyed there were two roads but he chose the nearest though it was reported to be by far the most difficult and dangerous fatigued with his first day's journey rostam lay down to sleep having turned Rekhsh loose to graze in the neighboring meadow where he was attacked by a furious lion but this wonderful horse after a short contest struck his antagonist to the ground with a blow from his forehoof and completed the victory by seizing the throat of the royal animal with his teeth when rostam awoke he was surprised and enraged he desired Rekhsh never again to attempt unaided such an encounter hadst thou been slain asked he of the intelligence brute how should i have accomplished my enterprise 
At the second stage Roostem had nearly died of thirst, but his prayers to the Almighty were heard. A fawn appeared as if to be his guide, and following it he was conducted to a clear fountain where, after regaling on the flesh of a wild ass which he had killed with his bow, he lay down to sleep. In the middle of the night a monstrous serpent, seventy yards in length, came out of its hiding place and made at the hero who was awakened by the neighing of Rech. But the serpent had crept back to his hiding place, and Rostam, seeing no danger, abused his faithful horse for disturbing his repose. Another attempt of the serpent was defeated in the same way, but as the monster had begun concealed itself, Rostam lost all patience with Rech, whom he threatened to put to death if he again awakened him by any such unseasonable noises the faithful steed fearing his master's rage but strong in his attachment instead of neighing when the serpent again made his appearance sprang upon it and commenced a furious contest rostam hearing the noise started up and joined in the combat the serpent darted at him but he avoided it and while his noble horse seized their enemy by the back the hero cut off its head with his sword when the serpent was slain, Rostam contemplated its enormous size with amazement, and with that piety which always distinguished him, returned thanks to the Almighty for his miraculous escape. Next day, as Rostam sat by a fountain, he saw a beautiful damsel regaling herself with wine. He approached her, accepting her invitation to partake of the beverage, and clasped her in his arms as if she had been an angel. It happened, in the course of their conversation, that the Persian hero mentioned the name of the great god he adored. At the sound of that sacred word, the fair features and shape of the female changed, and she became black, ugly, and deformed. The astonished Rostam seized her, and after binding her hands, bid her declare who she was. I am a sorceress, was the reply, and have been employed by the evil spirit Ahraman for thy destruction, but save my life, and I am powerful to do this service. I make no compact with the devil or his agent, said the hero, and cut her in twain. He again powered forth his soul in thanksgiving to God for his deliverance. On his fourth stage, Rostam lost his way. While wandering about, he came to a clear rivulet, on the banks of which he lay down to take some repose, having first turned Rech loose into a field of grain. A gardener who had charge of it came and awoke the hero, telling him in an insolent tone that he would soon suffer for his temerity as the field in which his horse was feeding belonged to a pahlavan or warrior called Ulad. Rustam, always irascible, but particularly so when disturbed in his slumbers, jumped up, tore off the gardener's ears, and gave him a blow with his fist that broke his nose and teeth. Take these marks of my temper to your master, he said, and tell him to come here and he shall have a similar welcome. Ulad, when informed of what had passed, was excited to fury and prepared to assail the Persian hero who, expecting him, had put on his armor and mounted Rech. His appearance so dismayed Ulad that he dared not venture on the combat till he had summoned his adherents. They all fell upon Rostam at once, but the base-born Caitiffs were scattered like chaff before the wind. Many were slain, others fled among whom was their chief. Him Rostam came up with at the fifth stage, and having thrown his news over him, took him prisoner. 
Ulad, in order to save his life, not only gave him full information of the place where his sovereign was confined and of the strengths of the Divisafid, but offered to give the hero every aid in the accomplishment of his perilous enterprise. This offer was accepted, and he proved the most useful auxiliary. On the sixth day they saw in the distance the city of Mazandran, near which the Divisafid resided. Two chieftains with numerous attendants met them and one had the audacity to ride up to Rostam and seize him by the belt. The chief's fury at this insolence was unbounded. He disdained, however, to use his arms against such an enemy, but seizing the miscreant's head, wrenched it from the body and hurled it at his companions, who fled in terror and dismay at this terrible proof of the hero's prowess. Rustam proceeded after this action with his guide to the castle where the king was confined. The thieves were, who guarded it were asleep, and Kekawus was found in a solitary cell chained to the ground. He recognized Rustam and, bursting into tears, pressed his deliverers to his bosom. Rustam immediately began to knock off his chains. The noise occasioned by this awoke the thieves, whose leader, Bedareng, advanced to seize Rustam. But the appearance and threats of the latter so overawed him that he consented to purchase his own safety by the instant release of the Persian king and all his followers. After this achievement, Rostam proceeded to the last and greatest of his labors, the attack of the Divisafid. Ula told him that the Divs watched and feasted during the night, but slept during the heat of the day, hating, according to our narrator, the sunbeam. Rustam, as he advanced, saw an immense army drawn out. He thought it better, before he attacked them, to refresh himself by some repose. Having laid himself down, he soon fell into a sound sleep, and at daylight he awoke quite refreshed. As soon as the sun became warm, he rushed into the camp. The heavy blows of his mace soon awoke the surprised and slumbering guards of the Diyosafid. They collected in myriads, hoping to impede his progress, but all in vain. The rout became general, and none escaped but those who fled from the field of battle. When this army was dispersed, Rostam went in search of the Divisafid, who, ignorant of the fate of his followers, slumbered in the recess of a cavern, the entrance to which looked so dark and gloomy that the Persian hero hesitated whether he should advance. But the noise of his approach had roused his enemy, who came forth clothed in complete armor, his appearance was terrible, but Rostam, recommending his soul to God, struck a desperate blow which separated the leg of the thief from its body. This would on common occasions have terminated the contest, but far different was the result on the present. Irritated to madness by the loss of a limb, the master seized his enemy in his arms and endeavored to throw him down. The struggle was for some time doubtful, but Rostam, collecting all his strength, by a wondrous effort dashed his foe to the ground and seizing him by one of the horns unsheathed his dagger and stabbed him to the heart the divasafid instantly expired and rostam on looking round to the entrance of the cavern from whence the moment before he had seen numberless thieves issuing to the aid of their lord perceived they were all dead Ulad, who stood at a prudent distance from the scene of combat now advanced and informed the hero that the lives of all thieves depended upon that of their chief when he was slain the spell which created and preserved this band was broken and they all expired 
Rostam found little difficulty after these seven days of toil, of danger, and of glory in compelling Mazandran to submit to Persia. The king of the country was slain, and Olad was appointed its governor as a reward for his fidelity. The success of his arms had raised Kekabus to the very plenitude of power. Not only men, but thieves, obeyed his mandates. The latter he employed in building palaces of crystal emeralds and rubies, till at last they became quite tired of their toil and abject condition. They sought therefore to destroy him, and to effect this they consulted with the devil, who, to forward the object, instructed the thief called Dejrim to go to Kekavus and raise in his mind a passion for astronomy, and to promise him a nearer view of the celestial bodies than had ever yet been enjoyed by mortal eyes. The deer fulfilled his commission with such success that the king became quite wild with a desire to attain perfection in this sublime science. The devil then instructed Deshkim to train some young vultures to carry a throne upwards. This was done by placing spears round the throne on the points of which pieces of flesh were fixed in view of the vultures who were fastened at the bottom. These voracious bears, in their efforts to reach the meat, raised the throne. Though he mounted rapidly for a short time, the vultures became exhausted and finding their efforts to reach the meat hopeless, discontinued them. This altered the direction and the equilibrium of the machine, and it tossed to and fro. Kekavus would have been cast headlong and killed had he not clung to it. The vultures, not being able to disengage themselves, flew an immense way and at last landed the affrighted monarch in one of the woods of China. Armies marched in every direction to discover and release the sovereign who, it was believed, had again fallen into the hands of the thieves. He was at last found and restored to his capital. Rostam, we are told, upbraided his folly, saying, Have you managed your affairs so well on earth that you must needs try your hand in those of heaven? End of section 20 Recording by Farnad Jahangiri